Welcome back to our Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today I'm joined by Karen Katz. Karen is a legal sales executive, attorney, entrepreneur, and business development leader. She's currently with the MindCrest team. Karen, good to have you with us. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about MindCrest. Sure. So MindCrest is a legal service provider, and we focus principally in contract life cycle management compliance legal research, and investigations. Our focus is also mostly with large corporations, although we do partner with law firms. Very good. So this is an alternative legal service provider, and what is your role at MindCrest? What do you do? I am the Director of Business Development, and I focus my efforts mostly on the East Coast and a little bit in Europe. So this is not your first time in an outbound sales role or even heading up business development. I know you did this for law firms for many years. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your evolution from lawyer to business developer to where you are now? Certainly. I did practice law for about 15 years and was with Halen Dorr at Colin Mooring and in-house at uh, St. Elizabeth's Hospital. I switched over and first found myself at Corn Ferry doing legal placement and then joined Law Corps Legal Staffing. So I've been in the staffing world for a lot of my career and a, a big driver for me was to be on the cutting edge. Law Corps was one of the first legal staffing companies. And then I later became part of the Pangea 3 team, also one of the early legal process outsourcing companies. I have sold direct to market with Mintz Levin, as well as DLA Piper and Burns and Levinson. Great law firms, obviously a different business model. I do truly enjoy being kind of back in corporate America, if you will, in the legal service provider and outsourcing space because there's um, a lot of value add and we're increasingly working with artificial intelligence, technology vendors, um, and I feel like it's kind of becoming a lot more cutting edge than where the law firms are at. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So MindCrest, alternative legal service provider with how many people providing legal services? We are almost up to a thousand. We've got a team in India, Chicago, and building in the UK. And we have at times built up teams where projects take us. Oftentimes we're staffing up to do, let's say, a large scale contract implementation or a huge contract remediation for one of the large financial services providers. So we may end up staffing that out of New York City, for instance. Wow. So in terms of legal provider headcount, you're almost up there with the MLAW 25s. And yet you've talked a lot about how you partner with law firms. And I know you and I talked about that a little bit offline too. Can you speak to that some? Absolutely. So I guess we fall in this alternative legal service provider role, but really it's it's not an alternative to law firms. We, we don't do the kind of work a law firm typically would do. Our projects tend to be high volume, very detail oriented, kind of the ones where you're thinking Six Sigma, process improvement, process management. So when we partner with law firms, we're blending that area of expertise where we're using our AI tools, for instance, to go through volumes of documents, providing analytics. For one of our clients, we have done pricing surveys where we're providing not only pricing regulation information, but also the tactical information of how to change pricing in various jurisdictions. So our work tends to fall more on the operational usability side or large-scale support. So when we partner with law firms, it's in that 
supporting their efforts and being the back office or back engine to a lot of the things that they need to establish. Right. So it'd be fair to say that you're not doing the kind of work that most law firms these days are going after, but you are doing some of the work that law firms used to do. A lot of that high volume work that there just wasn't anybody else for corporations to turn to, they would delegate to their law firms. Right. And I'm sure law firms did as best a job they could given the circumstances. But then when you're working with a team like Minecrest, if you need to know what the privacy rules and regulations are in every country, we're much better suited to do that project and to keep it regularly updated. We can do it much more cost effectively and can provide the level of detail. And, you know, one of the great things about law firms is that there's nuanced approaches and lots of thoughtful ways of interpreting information. So the difference with an LPO is we're providing data and usable information. We're not providing legal opinions. We're not providing advice. And so it's a, it's a very big difference. And back to how we support law firms, law firms might want to provide a certain kind of advice. And to back up that advice, we might do some type of project to support it. So for the uninitiated, what is an LPO? Oh, a legal process outsourcing company. These days, we are onshore, offshore, outsourced, insourced. There's lots of different ways to skin the beast, if you will. But the LPOs, or alternative service providers, are entities that have usually lots of people that are highly trained in process improvement and project management, providing support and a direction on large-scale projects, very rarely on-site with a client. You said something earlier that was intriguing to me. You talked about how you use artificial intelligence and various other means to do your work and to be competitive and efficient and highly leveraged in your output. Can you talk a little bit about how you're using AI and maybe some other of the methodologies that you rely on? Certainly. One of the more basic things before we get to AI is to provide what I call demonstrable compliance. So, you know, a chief compliance officer may be tasked with being up to date on every single reg and then ensuring that there are policies to match each reg. And then on top of that, making sure that someone within the organization that cares about that particular regulatory segment is up to date. And we can create and do create, whether it's a spreadsheet or a document or a database that maps these regs to the policies to the people and back again and do it in such a way that chief compliance officer can pull up a document, show it to a regulator, and say, this is how we're complying. This is our system that we use to ensure that we are touching all of the regs that we believe we need to comply with. We've got Minecrest regularly making sure that the reg is up to date and then mapping to our existing policies and showing us if there's gaps. So when I say demonstrable compliance, that shows compliance. It's more, it's more than just saying like, hey, look, we're, we're doing stuff. You know, we can show, we can help in-house legal departments show compliance by the way that we set up their programs. So that's one of the things that we do. With AI, we work with various AI vendors to program into our research of, say, of volumes of data, information we need to get out of it. And it's beyond just searching OCR documents. I mean, we're, we're searching for different clauses and documents, extracting information. We can teach the tool to look for 
very specific clauses and language, and then also take that language and put it into databases. So it speeds up the review of documents and the way that documents are processed, and then also speeds up the information. So general counsel may need to know, well, I have 10,000 documents, and I really need to know which ones are putting me the most at risk. We can work with the AI vendor to figure out, well, what things we're going to make this person at risk, this entity at risk, and then code that in so that when they search through the volumes of documents, we can quickly pull out, here are the 15 documents that are the most at risk, and here's why. So it's it's a quick way to get a sort through the data that wasn't really available before. You had talked earlier in a conversation with me about multimodal learning. How does that figure into all of this? You know, there are three different ways people principally learn, and they are visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, right? So the majority of people prefer to learn in a visual manner, and visual learners tend to be CEOs or CFOs. Auditory learners tend to like words, the written word, podcasts, for example, and um, many, many lawyers are auditory learners, and so they're more accustomed to memo writing, reading documents, and so forth. And then lastly, the kinesthetic learner is one that learns more by action, and there are fewer of those learning types. Sometimes the disconnect we find, and I have found throughout my career, is that you have an in-house legal department that likes words and wants to communicate with lots of words, but they have to communicate to visual learners, and they may not get a lot of time to convey their ideas, and they aren't conveying them in ways that are easily digestible. So when I have been in sales and in coaching lawyers, when I've worked at law firms, we work very hard to figure out how are we going to present this stuff so that that GC can later take it to his CEO or her CFO or whomever and show the value as opposed to just have their, um, their peers or superiors within the corporation read about the value. And is that one of the things that you've been focused on at Mindcrest is finding visual means of demonstrating your services and your work product? Certainly on some level, when we're going to market, we show um, our value add in, in, I think, the typical ways, PowerPoints, spreadsheets, marketing materials. So that's not unusual. But the types of work product that we produce, like I said before, I like to call it demonstrable compliance. We can teach an in-house legal department ways that they can show their value very quickly to anybody who would ask. So if suddenly the CEO calls up and says, hey, chief compliance officer, what are we doing about the GDPR regulations? I, you know, I just heard about this stuff. Tell me. Then we can empower that chief compliance officer to say, ah, here's my regulatory map. This is what Minecraft did for us. This is what we're doing. We have these policies. We're working on these. We have these gaps. This is where we are in our process. So it gives them a very tight corporate answer that they might not have answered in the same way, maybe if they were just working on their own and clawing through a whole bunch of regs and trying to figure it out. Yeah, the difference between having a stack of documents that's nine inches thick versus a map that simply visually walks at a very high level the person through the answer they're looking for. Correct. It's just very intriguing what you're doing, Karen. And, you know, like you shared a little bit in terms of your background, you find yourself pioneering or on the cutting edge of trends and certainly the alternative legal service provider, while not a brand new concept, it's been around for a couple of decades, is picking up a lot of steam. And I think law firms 
perhaps unjustifiably are paranoid about whether they're going to lose their jobs to an ALSP or AI. And the fact of the matter is that both of those resources are here to help a lot more than anything else. But I'm curious to know where you see the legal industry going, given the rise of the ALSP, given the various roles that you've had over the years, you've been able to kind of look over the ledge and see where things are headed. What's your perspective now? My perspective is that we're going to see more partnering with ALSPs and law firms, law firms and accounting firms, you know, perhaps branding companies and law firms, PR. And my hope is that the ABA will continue looking at deregulating how um, the legal profession works because just legal services isn't everything that a company needs. And so often a law firm or even us um, doing the work we do is asked so many other questions, and we're just not in the position to provide a full set of value because we can't partner as easily. So what I see is that the legal functions will become more like consulting companies over time with the, the ability to offer many different kinds of services, including you know legal advice, legal compliance, or even the kinds of work that we do. That's I, I foresee some level of deregulation that will make it better for the client. Well, there's already a precedence for that. I mean, the big four accounting firms are certainly bringing on their legal departments and overseas, they've really made significant inroads in being more of a one-stop shop for larger corporations. So I think you're right. If we can get over the segmenting that we tend to do when we're dealing with the ABA or various other policing entities, will have a lot more ability to be nimble and ability to service our clients more holistically. Yes, I think that's true. Well, um, I'm sure wherever we evolve to, Karen, you'll be right at the cusp, as you always have been. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. It's really interesting to talk to you and get your perspective and hear the good work that you're doing. I'm uh, David Ackert. I've been here with Karen Katz from Mindcrest, and you're listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. Karen, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much.